0: Wednesday, welcome in. How's everybody doing? Our first hour presented by Lasher Home Comfort Systems here on the home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. Hope your Wednesday's going well. It's going to get really cold. It's already really cold. And uh, we might actually get a little bit of snowfall. Might get a dusting of uh, snow. I, I think I heard maybe a half an inch, something like that. Are you prepared, Parker? Are you ready?
1: Mike, this is the type of weather I moved to Oklahoma to get away from. I didn't count on having to deal with snow anymore when right. I made the uh, the advent from the Cornhusker State. So, uh, not thrilled with that news, but hey, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, being from Nebraska, I am well accustomed to driving in snow, right? And so, in my college days, all my friends were from, like, Texas, for instance. A lot of people that end up at the University of Oklahoma for undergrad come from regions like Dallas, that North Texas Metroplex, and... None of them are acquainted with driving in snow. So whenever there came a time where there was snow on the ground, it was like, all right, everybody pile into Parker's car. You got the experience, man. You've been there.
0: You've done that. It's uh, it's old hat for you. Yeah, it's... uh if we get ice on the roads, that's what I don't like because, you know, it's just it's just no fun on the ice. And you get, like I said, the two extremes are Myrtle in her, uh, her vehicle going uh, 12 miles an hour, you know. And then you Myrtle. get Big Truck Guy who's going 75 miles an hour trying to show off. And uh, usually it's Big Truck Guy who ends up in the ditch down the road. So, uh, anyway, I just hope, I I don't like driving in the ice, that's all. I'm not bad at it. Now, don't get me wrong, I've been in the ditch before myself. I mean, my whole life I've pretty much been in the ditch, if you know what I mean. But you know what I'm saying. Anyway, uh, where do we start today? Uh, You know, it uh, it was almost a couple weeks ago. On this show, when I heard the the first two people talking about Wisconsin being a factor for Caleb Williams being you and Brandon Drum. Huh! And Imagine we, that! And we kind of thought, okay, and uh, you know, and, and Brandon was saying, yeah, they could be a player. You were saying that, they could be a player, and now Wisconsin looks to be a big player to get... Caleb Williams, and uh, apparently, you know, he's a Russell Wilson fan. And uh, Paul Chris did a nice job with Russell Wilson, who went uh, was at NC State, played football and baseball there, went to Wisconsin, led the Badgers to the Rose Bowl. So it worked out very re- well for Russell Wilson, who's uh, you know a future Hall of Famer in the NFL as well, Super Bowl champion. So that situation worked out, and uh, the Bobby Ingram
1: factor also a big part of this. That's right, and. Yeah, all things considered, Mike, you know, I I think really from the get-go here, it's been three schools uh, that Brandon and myself have been citing as the primary players for Caleb Williams. Not to say other schools couldn't enter the picture, but uh, the top three were always USC, UCLA, and Wisconsin. Obviously, there was some early buzz for Auburn, I think even before he hit the portal, but once Zach Calzada committed uh, that kind of... That that was kind of it on that front. And, look, obviously, uh, as you know, Brandon and I know the family very well. And I understand that after Caleb entered the transfer portal, the narrative quickly became, oh, this family is just going to say whatever they want to say in the public eye to mislead everybody, and they're going to do it all for the sake of NIL, and they're out for their own gain, and they're just manipulating everybody like the puppet masters that they want to be with all this. And, look, I— I understand it. Okay. I'm not going to sit here and try to fight that because the reality was at that point in time, the prevailing feeling, the prevailing emotion across the Oklahoma fan base was very much that of a jilted lover, Mike, because of what had just happened the month prior. Oh, we were jilted. We were jilted in all caps. No doubt. So I certainly understand the fact that folks wanted to paint Caleb and his family as the villain in all this, right? The the villain the second time around, the second coming of Mule Shoe in a certain sense that they were uh that they were ditching and probably going west in everyone's eyes. But I'll say this, Mike, the one thing that family, that Carl and Caleb and that whole family, everybody involved with that situation, the one thing they've always been is honest uh with myself and Brandon. And here you go. It is January 26th, and finally, the uh, the Wisconsin buzz has been legitimized. And I know that there are some people across the industry uh, who have started to favor Wisconsin in this race. And I'm not really sure I'm there yet just because he hasn't visited campus there, but the Paul Christ connection, of course, that family is very close with Russell Wilson. So uh, the Paul Christ connection, the Russell Wilson connection, the fact that Bobby Ingram is coming in as offensive coordinator uh, – All of that works in Wisconsin's favor here. And as I mentioned to you a couple weeks ago, Wisconsin was actually a school that when I spent time at the AFCA Coaches Convention, just talking to college coaches from all across the country, it was a school that a couple people brought up to me. People with no knowledge of the situation, no inside knowledge at all. But just a school that people brought up to me is, hey, that's a school that would make a lot of sense for Caleb Williams.
0: Explain the Bobby Ingram connection, too. And how that works, maybe in uh, in in the way that uh, the Williams family likes that situation. Yeah, well,
1: Bobby Ingram, obviously a former NFL wide receiver, mm-hmm. long time NFL Penn wide state, out. Played, right? Yes, played into his late 30s, and uh, the reality is he's a a relatively younger guy in the coaching profession, relatively new. Uh, forward-thinking, and he's the type of guy uh, that can revitalize a Wisconsin offense that at times over the years has been stagnant. You you think about running
0: backs, right? Yeah, it's always been very
1: run-centric. And the thing about it, Mike, Wisconsin is one of those programs that's constantly on the cusp, and people kind of tend to forget or disregard Wisconsin in the picture nationally. But the reality is, for the better part of the past decade – that's been a consistent double-digit win team that has been a quarterback away from legitimate playoff contention. And so you bring in a guy like Caleb Williams, you look at that, you look at the way that Wisconsin has played defense over the course of Jim Leonard's tenure as defensive coordinator, the fact that they always run the ball well, the fact that they always have a strong offensive line, you throw a guy like Caleb Williams into that system – Wisconsin's a team that can fight for national championship contention. It's going to be
0: interesting, no doubt. I, uh, You know, when you guys mentioned it, I thought, okay, well, no, surely that's not going to happen. What do we really know, though? What do we really know about the state of Wisconsin? What do we know? This Midwestern state of the United States with two coastlines on two Great Lakes, Michigan and Superior, it's got an interior of forests and farms. Its capital city is Madison. How do you go about pronouncing it? Wisconsin. You do want to stress on the second syllable, the con syllable. Wisconsin. Wisconsin, United States. Wisconsin. Where did you dig that up? Wisconsin. I have my sources. Where did that come from? That came from Wisconsin. The official Wisconsin YouTube Side. And it's very cold in Wisconsin. You think it's cold here? It's cold right now. It's wrong
1: to raise children in Wisconsin. It is. It gets to be sixty degrees below zero. I know. This that's wrong. This is earth. It's not supposed to hurt to breathe.
0: I mean, uh, it's going to be really cold. It's going to be really cold. So, would you say uh, right now, USC, UCLA, Wisconsin, if you had to pick one of those right now? I forced you right now, Parker Thune, you have to make a call. Which one? Where does he wind up?
1: I think for now, I'm going to stick to my guns on UCLA, at least until he visits Wisconsin. And we get a sense of how he takes to the coaching staff there and the campus environment. But, look, I've said all along, I understand that the prevailing belief is that he's going to be a USC Trojan. I've just never been there in my gut. Because, again, the way things ended at Oklahoma with Muleshoe left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths, not the least of which was Caleb Williams and his family. I understand that
0: Shoes making phone calls now on a PR campaign. Oh, really? To uh, tell people again, uh, man, I appreciate you and stuff like that. Which is okay. Yeah, that's. I guess it's all right. But you Damage know what? control? That's what you do when you're at that place. You tell people you appreciate them then, not when you need the PR. I don't believe
1: the man. It's going to take a long time. I know. Imagine if he'd made those calls two months ago a couple hours before it was announced that he was going to USC. Those phone calls probably would have meant a lot more at that point than they did. Yes.
0: Yes. By the way, uh, speaking of Caleb Williams, what about, uh, I don't know, rumor that maybe through this whole process that uh, the Williams family decided, you know what? We should call Oklahoma again and see if we could get another meeting or something. Uh it rumors that that may have happened and OU may have been less than super enthusiastic. Do you yeah, think that I, may have I happened? Mean,
1: and we talked about this yesterday. Again, until Caleb Williams signs, there is a non-zero chance that by some miracle he ends up back at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. But uh I I think I've been saying it for probably close to 2 weeks by now. There just came a point in time at which, given the way things unfolded over the first week or so after he entered the transfer portal, the reaction from the fan base, kind of how everybody took it, there just came a point in time where it was probably best for both sides to move on. Well,
0: what did Bob Stoops tell us at that first press conference? There is nobody bigger than the program. exactly. You know, and that's, uh, you know, I I think that is maybe what we've learned in that uh, situation here um, you know, it, it's just unbelievable to me, though, that we went from again possibly the biggest ovation at an OU home game this year was when Caleb Williams was flashed up on uh, the scoreboard on the video screen as the starting quarterback, and uh, the, everybody went I've absolutely never,
1: crazy. I've never heard the palace that loud, and then I asked, I asked plenty of people who'd been to a lot more Oklahoma football games than me. Have you ever heard that building erupt like it did for Caleb Williams? And they were like, no, absolutely not.
0: And a guy who had that much adulation and that many fans, and, uh, again, he wasn't perfect as a freshman, but he made a ton of big plays, and his ceiling is uh, as high and as uh, awesome as the Sistine Chapel ceiling if he lives up to his potential, and just decides, you know what? I need to look around. Maybe I don't have enough at Oklahoma. I only have love from the entire fan base and – NIL deals, and I'm playing at a great program, top five program in the history of college football. But I need to look around.
1: Yeah, well, and look, to a certain degree, it's fair because if you want to explore your options, you can't legally do that without entering the transfer portal. But Oklahoma moved very quickly to hedge their bets in the aftermath of Williams hitting the transfer portal by acquiring Dylan Gabriel. And again, The way that things unfolded the week or so after he entered the portal, there just came that line in the sand at which you got to it and you figured, okay, it is probably best if Oklahoma proceeds with Dylan Gabriel as their quarterback, and it is probably best if Caleb Williams proceeds and carries on his collegiate career elsewhere. Well,
0: if you're an older listener out there, if you're old like me, you'll get this reference. So basically what happened is the Sooners lost Raquel Welch, but in return they got Ann Margaret. Not a bad deal. All right? Older reference lost on younger listeners, sir. I get that. Uh, but you know, it's right. It's on the money. I'm telling you. All right, year Home Comfort Systems, our sponsor of the first hour here on Steelman and Thule on the Ref Radio Network. You're home for Sooner fans. Let's come back, talk a little Sooner basketball. Man, do they need this West Virginia win tonight in the worst way? We'll hear from Porter Moser and Mo Gibson when we get back on the matchup with the Mountaineers. Time tonight. 7 o'clock, Porter, ESPN2, Oklahoma, in Morgan Morgantown to take home West Virginia. Sooners are in the midst of a four-game losing streak. West Virginia has dropped three in a row. They lost at KU. They let, dropped a home game to Baylor, and they lost to Texas Tech. And the Sooners... Parker, tonight, they need a win in the worst way. You've got to play number 1 Auburn in Auburn, Alabama.
1: Yeah, that's a game you're going to lose. Yeah, Let's coming just up, call it like it yeah, is. Yeah, 1 o'clock Saturday
0: on ESPN, and Auburn had to go on the road, and they struggled. They barely beat Missouri last night. Quanzo Martins, Missouri Tigers put a scare into Auburn. Uh, Auburn won 55-54. It was a really rough night for Jabari Smith, who some people believe uh, could be the number one overall pick in the upcoming NBA draft, certainly going to be one of the top three or four. Uh, Jabari Smith was 2 of 15, 1 of 7 from 3 for just five points, yet Auburn was able to win that game with Stan Missouri on the road and win 55-54. They await Oklahoma coming up Saturday. But the Sooners have their work cut out tonight at West Virginia. You know what they have to do? They have to take care of the basketball. They are one of the worst teams in America in turning the ball over. And they turned it over 25 times in that loss to Baylor. So, uh, you know, you've just got to be better about taking care of the ball. And, uh, yes, they need to shoot it better, too. There's no doubt. It's amazing that Oklahoma has had chances to win, you know, the Kansas game and the Baylor game. The Texas game wasn't pretty at all. But they've got to take better care of the basketball. And this is a winnable game for Oklahoma tonight, and man, do they need one. What do you think? What do you think of their
1: chances tonight? I, I don't know how I feel about their chances necessarily, but look, the reality of the situation here is that this is a must-win game for Oklahoma, so... You're going up against a very viable opponent in West Virginia. There are no easy games in the Big 12, Mike. And I saw a screenshot that was circulating on Twitter from one of ESPN's broadcasts last night. The nine teams across the entire NCAA at the Division I basketball level, the top nine in terms of remaining strength of schedule, are all Big 12 teams. That tells you what a gauntlet this league is. And Oklahoma, by the way, number four on that list. So, they have the fourth most difficult strength of schedule the rest of the way. And like 10 days ago, they were number one on the list. Uh-huh. You know? And and they're sitting at 12-7. and seven. The reality is they're going to have a lot of leeway. They will get a lot of leeway come Selection Sunday because of how difficult their schedule has been. But at the same time, you've got to start winning some of these games. Yeah,
0: you do, and, uh, you know, at West Virginia, winnable. Uh, you got TCU at home after Auburn. You need to win that game. Uh, Bedlam in Stillwater, again, Oklahoma State is, is you know, they've been up and down, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, they went on the road to Waco and won that game. You still have to go to Kansas. You still have to go to Iowa State. You still have to go to Texas Tech. You have to go to Bramlage and K-State to end the regular season where Oklahoma's had issues for a while, so – Yeah, they they need this win in the worst way. There is no doubt about it. And West Virginia, the problem is West Virginia needs a win big time, too. Because, like I said, they're on a three-game losing streak. So Porter Moser asked the other day, you know, in the midst of this four-game skid that the Sooners are enduring right now, how do you make sure the team keeps that positive attitude? It starts at the top with me. It literally starts at the top with me. I mean, for me to come in every day fighting, clawing, uh, being prepared, you know, being prepared for practice, being prepared to, to beat West Virginia. But there's also a big part of getting better and consistent. So, like, I think we did some really good things, We're, you know, but it starts with me. There's, no, there's going to be no quit in this team to fight. We're searching. We're searching. We'll find it. we we'll get better. All right, for the Sooners, some good news and some not-so-good news. C.J. Nolan is back out of concussion protocol. He will be available for Oklahoma in the West Virginia matchup tonight. Again, 7 o'clock on ESPN2. Ethan Shagwa still outs with a... Bum ankle, but uh, the main thing the Sooners have to do is you've got to take care, better care of the basketball. I mean, you cannot turn it over at the rate they've been turning it over. One guy who still sounds uh, pretty confident the Sooners can get it together is uh, Mo Gibson. We know what kind of team we can be. We we
1: really a scary team. We just gotta we just gotta get back to what we've been doing, finish it down the stretch, and not turning the ball over. I mean, once we, once we figure that out, man, we're going to be good, man. And that's pretty much everybody's attitude. We just stand positive, saying we're going to be all right, man.
0: We'll see, man. It's not looking all right right now. You would drop to 2-6 and six in the league, 12-8 uh, and eight overall. And the Sooners, again, because of the strength of the conference, the Big 12 clearly the best conference in America. You know, if you finish 7-11 and in the league, you can get in the NCAA tournament because of your net ranking and power ranking, all of that stuff that factors in. Oklahoma's in good shape there, but you got to go win some games. And uh, the Sooners have been able to win a couple times in Morgantown. Maybe they can get it done tonight. This is not a great West Virginia team, but it's an Oklahoma team that has got to learn to finish uh, and take care of the basketball. And uh, we'll see if they can get it done tonight. Uh, how about Texas winning at TCU last night by 23, a road win for Chris Beard and the Longhorns. You had Baylor dominating Kansas State and Waco winning by 25 uh, last night. You do have another game in the Big 12 tonight, number 23, Iowa State in Stillwater to take on the Cowboys. Uh, Iowa State's 2-5 and five in the league and still ranked 23rd in the country because they've had a very difficult schedule. Everybody in the Big 12 is going to take a lot of lumps, uh, you know, uh, Baylor and, and Kansas um, probably, well, no doubt, I still think the best two teams. Texas Tech's very intriguing. They played really well at times. And Iowa State, I think, is a really good basketball team. And again, they're 2-5 and five in a conference. So, there you go. Uh, tonight, the Sooners and West Virginia. Okay. Um, coming up in our next segment, we're going to talk a little more Oklahoma football, by the way. Uh, by the way, uh, on the Thunder, they don't play again until Friday night against the Indiana Pacers. Oklahoma City Again, uh, you know, the other night, like we said, perfect game, basically. They lose to the Bulls by one. They came back from 28 down. They're starting to tank very effectively. They actually. are. We, we had our
1: doubts well, about their ability to do so at the outset of the season. That's but, right. Hey, they hey, they have really picked it up in terms of their capacity to tank.
0: Well, they've tanked basically for a season and a half now, so they're starting to get the feel of this. And you want to stay in uh, the running for Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren or Paolo Bonquero. Jaden Ivey, I know uh, from Purdue's also getting some looks. A lot, he's moving up draft boards as well. But Oklahoma City again, uh, and the Indiana Pacers coming up on Friday night. Man, I I remember when Demontis Sabonis was here, and uh, you know Arvidas Sabonis his son, and uh, he was was such a great international player playing for Russia and then with the Trailblazers and the NBA. We we knew that Demonis had skills at Gonzaga, but, again, he's having another good year, 19 points, 12 boards, 5 assists per game. But he has an ankle issue, may not play on Friday night. We already know that Malcolm Brogdon is going to be out with that Achilles injury uh, when the Pacers come to town to take on the Oklahoma City Thunder on Friday night. Okay, Riverwind Casino, great, great deal happening. The Super Bowl is not that far away, and you have until Saturday at midnight to get out to Riverwind and take part in another great Riverwind promotion. Super points and super plays is what we're talking about. Wildcard members who earn the most points on specific gaming machines, and we're talking about the Gaming Capital Group machines out there on the gaming floor. We'll have a great chance to win Super Bowl prizes, including airfare, hotel stay, ground transportation of the game, two tickets to the Super Bowl matchup in L.A. at SoFi Stadium. All this valued at $23,000. Plus, you're going to get $1,000 cash as well. And I said members, not member. There are going to be multiple winners. So get out to Riverwind to play on the Gaming Capital Group machines there. They will point you in the right direction. Again, you can't miss these machines, really. There's signage all around them. And uh, the friendly staff at Riverwind will take you right there. Play on those specific machines. If you're among the top point earners on those machines, you're going to win a trip to the 2022
1: Super Bowl. Hey, Mike, quick note from the Air Comfort Solutions text line before we hit a break. Okay. Uh, one listener from the Tulsa area says, What is happening? I tune in for the bashing of Shoe. We've gone 30 minutes without his name being spoken.
0: Uh, you know what? It's right around the corner. We did talk about Mule who was making some PR calls uh, around, and, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure he feels very guilty about the dastardly, dirty way that he left the University of Oklahoma and left God's country for me country. Uh, Oklahoma is we country. We. L.A., it's all about me. It's all about me, right? So, Yes. We think the uh, PR campaign is a little bit too late. At least I do. But, again, I'm holding a major grudge. There is a grudge on my back that is King Kong size that I'm carrying around. All right, we'll break right here. Thank you to Lasher Home Comfort Systems, sponsoring our first hour. Tim Lasher, great sooner, great company. Let's talk a little more Oklahoma football when we get back. All right, welcome back. Good to have you with us. Mike Steely Parker Thune on the Ref Radio Network here on this Wednesday, the home of Sooner fans. Here in the Brown O'Haver Studios, going to the Air Comfort Solutions text line here in just a second, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Uh, the Sooners did land. Tyler Guyton, the TCU offensive lineman, through the portal. What do you think of the pickup, Parker?
1: Well, it's great for the Sooners. It's another uh, key depth addition at the offensive line position. And look, here's the reality, Mike: the Sooners are replacing and a departed offensive tackle in Tyrese Robinson, and so Tyler Guyton is a guy that just based on what he brings to the table physically—six foot seven, three hundred fifteen pounds he's going to have as good a chance as anybody to start at Tyree Robinson's vacated position, or you might see Anton Harrison moved around to right tackle from left. And maybe there becomes a battle at left tackle because Harrison has obviously played both in his collegiate career, but one way or another, uh, Guyton is a guy that by virtue of his versatility and his athleticism, he's got a very high ceiling. And this is a fantastic addition for Oklahoma. Three years of eligibility, uh, played at TCU in 2020 and 2021, only saw one game uh, of action in 2020, but played in eight for the Horn Frogs in 2021 and saw substantial snaps at both tackle and H-back. So really unique in the sense that he's got a remarkable degree of athleticism for somebody that big. And I'm interested to see how he develops under Bill Beatenbow because like I said, I think his ceiling is very high.
0: Didn't he uh, catch a touchdown pass? He did,
1: uh, against last Iowa year? State.
0: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So uh, Tyler Guyton uh, through the portal, the uh, TCU offensive lineman coming to the University of Oklahoma. So uh, Gentry Williams basically reaffirmed his commitment to OU yesterday, uh, because right?
1: Because apparently that needed to happen. There were, <laughs> there were people who were somehow not sold on the fact that he was going to be a Sooner. But yes, he's going to be a Sooner. He's going to sign next week. That's that. And we talked about
0: this, uh, you know, recently a bunch, that it looks like this staff is making a bigger effort to put a fence around the state of Oklahoma and try and get as many of the uh, in-state players as they can. And not that the previous Muleshoe administration uh, didn't go after kids in Oklahoma, but it, it's kind of it looks like it's a different situation with this staff with uh, Brent Venables and company. How do you think it is different?
1: I think the philosophy, and I know we've touched on this a lot, the philosophy is going to be diametrically the opposite of what we became accustomed to under Lincoln Riley because Riley would offer 125, 150 guys and cast a wide net except for one specific position, and that was quarterback. And I think that kind of spoke to the reality of how Riley wanted to build his football team. He wanted to build it around the quarterback. And I talked about this yesterday on Locked In with Tyler. Uh, And Tyler mentioned, look, great teams are built from the inside out. Start in the trenches with the offensive and defensive line and recruit skill position guys around that. But you got to be solid up front uh, if you're going to build a championship program. Lincoln Riley was tending more to, to recruit from the outside in, as in quarterbacks, wide receivers, those kinds of things first. And then, you know, offensive, defensive line are kind of an afterthought. And you did see that in the in the way that he prioritized recruiting. And for Brent Venables, particularly now that he has legitimately two of the top five positional coaches on either side of the trenches in Bill Bedenbow and Todd Bates, those are going to be where he pours the majority of his efforts on the recruiting trail, I do believe, into building a strong offensive line and an outstanding defensive line as well.
0: All right, and uh, the state of Oklahoma, again, uh, the Sooner staff was at the coaches' convention and uh, taking part in that, so I think they're going to make more of an effort, maybe dig a little bit deeper in the state of Oklahoma. It certainly looks that way. Bob Stoops was on uh, the rush yesterday with Tyler and Teddy, and uh, Tyler asked him about – his uh, recruiting philosophy concerning the state of Oklahoma back when he was uh, the man with the visor on the sidelines. Well, the, the first philosophy was, as much as we could, I do not want to make a mistake and ever pass up a kid from the state of Oklahoma. If, and if you have any doubt, as a position coach, let me watch him. For instance, we didn't know where Dan Cody, Cody would play. So not one position coach wanted to commit to him. So they, they put him in front of me. It didn't take me five minutes of watching tape. I says I don't care what you guys all think. I get nobody knows where you want to put him. He's going to play here. I said, I'm offering him a scholarship. You know, so our point was, I always emphasize if we're going to ever make a mistake, make a mistake on a, a young man from Oklahoma. Give him a
1: chance. There you go. And that's something that Bob Stoops probably had to learn the hard way early on in his career because you look at a guy like Wes Welker, I for was instance. I thinking
0: Wes Welker, yeah.
1: That escaped the OK Preps ranks and went to Texas Tech. Again, those are the types of guys that those ones hurt the most in retrospect. When you see an Oklahoma kid go somewhere else and blow up at the collegiate level, nobody gives it a second thought if you miss on a guy from Florida or California or Washington, D.C., or Houston, and they end up being great. But if that guy comes from the state of Oklahoma, going to be a lot of folks that don't take to that situation very kindly at all. You know what we
0: should do with uh, Bob Stoops like they do in England? Uh, when you, you can, uh, like Nick Faldo is Sir Nick Faldo. Uh, you know, you basically knight somebody. Can we, uh, can we start doing that with like what Bob did for the state and the University of Oklahoma and uh, the, the great work that he did in the Alamo Bowl and winning the national championship in 2000 and representing on Fox Sports like he does? So we're going to start referring to him then as Sir Bob? I, I think we should have some ceremonies here and there where somebody gets a sir. Uh, Barry okay. Switzer gets a sir. There's no doubt about it. Any Heisman winner gets a sir. Uh, we're already building the Colossus of Bob right over I-35, like the old uh, giant Greek statue back in the day, uh, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And we're going to have that giant statue straddling again I-35, uh, one of Switzer when you come in from the uh, from the south, and one of Stoops when you come in from the north. Can we get people working on that right
1: now? Is that within the budget? I'm sure we can. And, hey, I you are – the icon of Oklahoma sports radio, oh, Mike. Yeah, So right. as long, yeah, as, long yeah. as you push the agenda, <laughs> regional radio star here. I mean, hey, he just knighted Bob Stoops, folks. When Mike first, Steely has knighted Sir Bob Stoops. When I first heard that promo, I'm like, icon,
0: early, I don't take it. Uh, but I don't know about that. In fact, I know. No, uh, no. No. No, 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 But uh, you know what's a really – Brent Venables is getting a bunch of uh, analysts, right? That he is. Do you think that was something that Muleshoe was wanting that he wasn't getting and Muleshoe started to sour on that and that's why he
1: became uh, Dr. Evil,
0: well, basically? Th-
1: no, here's the thing, Mike, and I know Teddy made the comment on social media last week that – Shoes' departure was the best thing that's ever happened to this football program. And I think there's some truth to that because it forced everybody involved, particularly at the administrative level, the BMDs who fund the big projects within the football program. It forced everybody to square with the reality that, hey, if we're going to bring a championship back to Norman, Oklahoma we're going to have to make the investment into this program. Because, yeah, look, the reality is, and I've heard this from multiple people close to the situation, a lot of what Brent Venables is getting now as Oklahoma's head coach is the stuff that Muleshoe wanted yeah. and was told he couldn't have. That's what I'm saying. Is is
0: that one of the things that instigated his uh, departure, you think? Yeah, and I don't,
1: I don't know, maybe somewhere down the road, Brent Venables leads this program to a national championship. By the way, I did. I was listening to Teddy and Tyler on my drive home yesterday, and Teddy came out and predicted Oklahoma's going to win a national championship under Brent Venables. And I would agree with that. I think a lot of people would agree with that just because this program has so much upward mobility right now, so much positive momentum, that with what they're building, it's going to be almost impossible for them not to win a national championship. But the reality is if that day comes – and Oklahoma stands atop the zenith of college football once again. Is there maybe going to be an olive branch extended to Muleshoe for being the accelerant in all of this? Uh, Maybe. down. It's a long ways down the road. And I know people like you hate his guts right now. But if Oklahoma wins a national championship, say, in the next five years, are we going to reevaluate how this all went down and say, you know what? He might have been looking out for himself, but the very fact that Shoe up and left was the kick in the pants that everybody yeah, within that program to needed it. to help bring that championship culture back to Norman.
0: I, I don't hate the man. I really I don't hate the man. That would be ridiculous if I hated the man. I do. I, I hated the move, and I hate the way it was executed. That is what I don't like. And I don't like Lice. Uh, I don't like him. And, and I know there's no perfect way to go about that. They're going to be hurt feelings, but I still think it could have been done a lot better. But, yeah, I, I I don't hate the man. I wish him and his family very well. I don't wish USC football well at all. Not at all. But the family, yes. See, him a really nice guy. You just want to
1: see him fail is what you're
0: saying. I want to see the Trojans football, USC football, fail. Other than that, hope his family does very well, makes a lot of money, enjoys the L.A. lifestyle and all of that. So anyway, yeah, it's an arms race, man. In football, it always has been. And now more than ever, and you've got to keep adding to your arsenal. And the Sooners certainly are doing that, it looks like, with Brent coming aboard. All right, we'll break right here. And uh, we got some NFL to talk about. We'll get to your texts also when we get back here on The Ref. Uh, John Wade coming back. Is that for Mule Shoe?
1: Yeah, honestly, Mike, like, yeah. I, the more I think about it, and I want, to, I want to make clear here, this isn't said out of bitterness. The best thing Lincoln Riley might ever have done for this program is leave. Not in the sense that he was a terrible football coach and he needed to hit the, you know, hit the trail. But the new era that his departure ushered in, I think is going to be revolutionary for this football program.
0: I hope so. This is said out of bitterness. Uh, yes, I hope you're right. And, uh, you know, like I said, man, you how many analysts does uh, Nick Saban have? I mean, they've got to have, like, it probably looks like a medical clinic, the Alabama football offices, because he's had a bunch, too. But you know what, um, and I'm not sure everybody probably uh, in terms of, uh, the the income coming into the program has got to be struggling to a certain extent because of the pandemic and in the, in the previous year. I get that, but man, yeah, it's you know facilities. These are uh, these are arms races in many ways, and I like what I'm seeing there. I like what I'm seeing. So anyway, all right, Air Comfort Solutions text line four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. Let's go there right now.
1: It won't be an olive branch extended to Tebow. It will be a middle finger donning a championship ring. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. Let's see what else we got. Seriously. Who cares? OU got its guy. BMFS. We are doing man crap now. Uh, I like that too. I like it. And
0: uh, like I said, I, I just like the way that OU has responded to this deal. You know investing more, bringing in what looks to me to be a really good coaching staff. And when you can get Todd Bates and Jeff Levy to come aboard, uh, and obviously Brent is the head coach, and Jerry Schmidt coming back,
1: I, I like what I'm saying. I really do. Back to the text line. My father knew more about football than anyone I have ever known. He told me when I was young, and that was a long time ago, to watch the offensive and defensive lines. That is where games were won and lost, he said. I still maintain that is true. Well,
0: I am really glad that Bill Biedenboe is still at Oklahoma, and I know the offensive line didn't perform up to you know their lofty standards. Uh, maybe you can say that the past couple of years, but I still think Bill Biedenboe is an excellent football coach. Uh, I love the fact that Brent – one of the things I like is you can tell, and I know Brent had a previous relationship with Kyle Gundy and Joe John Finley and guys like that, but keeping – Uh, As many guys as he did in the offensive staff, and, you know, knowing their importance around here, I think shows that there's a lack of ego there. I'm not saying there's a lack of confidence and drive and passion. There certainly isn't, but... You know, even with some other people that may have had a previous relationship, they still might have come in and said, you know what, I totally want my own guys. Even though I know these guys, I want to completely overhaul the staff. And for him to keep those guys, I think, was big. And I am ecstatic that Bill Bedenboe still. And Cale Gundy, too. I mean, Cale Gundy is he's program a sooner, guy. sooner through and through Cale Gundy. Love Cale Gundy.
1: Back to the text line, is the PR campaign by... Muleshoe to the players, coaches, parents, journalists, etc. Who is he calling? Anyone hanging up on him? Now, I can confirm I have not received a call from Muleshoe. Could just be because he took issue to the subtly acerbic bump music that I used for <laughs> probably two to three weeks after his departure. But uh, We can't
0: really name names, but he's <laughs> called some people and thanked them. And then this happened, I guess, a couple weeks after his uh, uh, departure, dastardly departure. Um, and again, I, uh, you know, I, I I just, the way it went down is what bothers me. It really still bothers me and I need to get over it. And I realize that I need to get over it. And Oklahoma, I do think is in a better situation with what they have now going to the SEC and moving forward, but it's still, it, 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 I don't know. It it almost awakened the old kid who is a huge OU football fan growing up where it felt like a You know, somebody had taken a dagger and gone straight to the heart the way it went down.
1: there are any therapists out there listening Mm -hmm. uh, and you want to run ads, Yes, I'm pretty sure we can broker a deal that includes some advertising in return for uh, some therapy for Mike.
0: Hi, I'm Mike Steely for Dr. (laughs) Fill in the Blank. I've got a big problem with the way that a guy left the University of Oklahoma. We call him Muleshoe. But as soon as I laid down on the couch for a while, a few sessions with Dr. Fill in the Blank, I was great
1: and good to go again. Give them a call at, there you go. There it is right there. One listener, uh, let's get to one final text before we hit a break. One listener says, Muleshoe gave the entirety of Sooner Nation a reason to stay up and watch late Pac-12 games. Uh, how many senior fans are going to do that? Like, there'll, how many be some, will be, there'll be some. How many will be live-tweeting the USC game actively <laughs> rooting for the other team? Because you problem, know that'll happen.
0: The problem is, is they're going to win games, and uh, I don't know. Next year, let me look at uh, – we'll, we'll go over it in the next segment. But uh, what's realistic for SC next year? Like to win maybe eight games?
1: They have the best transfer class in the nation. So – I, I there's a degree of win now expectation regardless of the fact that they were 4 and 8 last season. So we'll see. I don't know. I feel like you got to at least get to a bowl game. That's like bare minimum. If you don't make a bowl game, then mm-hmm. shoot, you're on the hot seat after year 1. Need
0: to go to Shreveport. That's where SC needs to go to Shreveport. All right. Uh Rush 3, drop 8. Uh, everybody's sending that piece of advice to all the Pac-12 schools taking on uh, Southern Cal next year. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps hour number one. Thank you, Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Uh, more Sooner Football. What's up with Jackson Dart? Uh, anything? We'll get into that when we get back here on The Ref.
1: Breaking news here at the top of the hour, Mike. Oh yeah, breaking Apparently, news. Apparently, Caleb Williams posted on his Instagram story. Uh, and I—I I don't know what it is yet. I was just—was
0: he, just he petting? Was he petting a badger or something, or what was he
1: doing? <laughs> well, well, that wouldn't shock me at this point. Yeah, nothing shocks us uh, anymore, Yeah, right? I'm going to have to go all? do some uh, internet sleuthing and figure out what the post is, but all apparently right, that's um, what everybody's fired up about. Okay, I'm going to pull it up. Uh, hang on. Um, are you on Instagram? I'm assuming it's a... Uh, i e
0: Caleb, where are you? Hey, there he there is. There
1: we go. And what are you seeing? Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> uh, basically... It is a uh, a post. He, he reposted a post uh, with a guy on oh, the yep. side of a street holding up a sign that says, and I'm sanitizing here, stop giving a crap what other people think. Hmm. So that's the thing, for what that's worth.
0: Okay. Who's he saying that to? Is he saying that about OU fans or what? Uh, uh, let the conspiracy theories fly. Wisconsin. Hmm. It would be very interesting, that's for sure. Uh, but you, like I said at the top of the show, the first two guys I heard talking about that, because I remember thinking, really? Okay, hmm, interesting. You and Brandon Drum uh, were talking about that uh, about almost two weeks ago mm-hmm. when this first happened, that Wisconsin could be a sleeper in this Yeah, deal. but you see,
1: nobody wanted to buy that they were a player because who goes to Madison, Wisconsin for massive NIL deals, right?
0: Yeah, well, the, you, you can get... Uh, there's some big cheese money there, Yeah, right? for real. There's some big <laughs> cheese, cheese and, money. Uh,
1: meat packing, right? Because isn't mm-hmm. that what the packers are named after? Yeah. Is the meat packing industry, so... I mean, you had no. a Schwab deal exactly. here already, right? There's got to be a Schwab up there.
0: I mean, um, ah, man, I, I don't know. But Wisconsin, isn't Wisconsin like one of the biggest party schools in the country? do they yes, have that reputation? Yes, apparently
1: that is the reputation. Tyler brought that up yesterday. Of course, I didn't know that. That seems odd to me that... A school in Madison, Wisconsin, would be among the top party schools in the nation. But apparently it's right up there with Arizona State, which makes a lot more sense. Well, Arizona State,
0: yes. Arizona State, to me, I mean, that's a beautiful part of the country, no doubt. Now, if you like heat, dry heat, any – but I don't know. that Arizona State seems like a glorified junior college to me as well, kind of like Lubbock. Oh, boy. You know, that – I don't know that academics are taking that seriously – at either place. But Lubbock's an interesting place. Remember, uh, one day they had Bob Knight chasing down the the, uh, the uh, school president at an intersection. And well, uh, getting into a salad bar confrontation at Applebee's.
1: Bob Knight was always chasing somebody down.
0: How would you like to be sitting at that stoplight? Remember when uh, the school president came up to him and basically said, Bob, we were ha- really happy with you. You've been on good behavior lately, and we appreciate that. Like he was talking to a five-year-old, and Knight apparently went ballistic. And um, apparently he jumped out of the car when they were at a stoplight and was running after the school president's car. So how would you like to be, though, like a kid you know, at that intersection? Hey, Mom, is that Bobby Knight running after a car? <laughs>
1: Oh, but those are the bizarre things that go on on a day-to-day basis in Lubbock, Texas, I suppose. My
0: my dad, rest in peace. Man, I miss my dad so much. And it was just uh, his birthday, uh, January 25th. But I think I told this story before, but whenever we went on a road trip, he always saw one of two people. Bear Bryant, you know, that was Bear Bryant who just drove by, or Babe Perilli. Who is a quarterback at the University of Kentucky who once beat the Sooners in one of the bowl games, maybe in the Sugar Bowl. I can't remember. But he always saw either Babe Perilli or Bear Bryant. And we're like, that that guy didn't even look anything like. I don't know what
1: Babe Perilli looks like, but uh, that was definitely not Bear Bryant. I- By the way, Mike, brand new recruiting rankings, the final rankings for the twenty twenty two cycle. All from right. My employer, twenty four seven sports. Uh the top Oklahoma commit slash signee uh, per 24-7 is none other than Jaron Kanak, whom we've heard a lot of buzz about this week. Yeah, apparently he's like the bionic man over there at the workouts. Yeah, which tracks with uh, what folks around the general vicinity of the state of Kansas have known for quite a while, but he comes in at number 107 overall. Uh, in the entire country for the class of 2022. You got Gentry Williams at 118, Jake Taylor at 121. Robert Spears Jennings is the number 125 overall player in the country. Now, this is fantastic to me because I can remember a time, Mike, circa June 2021, when there was a contingent of Oklahoma fans that was furious, I mean incensed, that Oklahoma was taking a commitment from Robert Spears Jennings. Because at the time, every other school on his radar was recruiting him as a wide receiver. And he was well outside the top 1,000. I think when Oklahoma signed, or when he committed to Oklahoma, rather, on July 4th, he was the number 1,407 player in the country. Something bizarrely obscure like that. And he was still... Listed as a wide receiver, that's what everybody, it seemed like, but Oklahoma was recruiting him as. Well, you fast forward to eight months, and Robert Spears Jennings is the number 125 overall player in the country, regardless of position, as a safety. What a steal was that for Oklahoma. Yeah. Because he grew up a Baylor fan, Baylor never offered him. Oklahoma State is the school that's geographically closest to where he played his high school ball in Broken Arrow, they never offered the Sooners saw something, man, and it's paid off big time with Robert Spears Jennings' meteoric rise here.
0: So are uh, team rankings finalized then, too?
1: No, they're not finalized because we obviously have to wait for uh, National Signing Day to roll around. We've got to figure out what these classes look like. And, well, and for a guy yeah. like Josh Connerly, <laughs> we're going to have to wait even longer than National Signing Day. Uh, among the others... In blue-chip territory for Oklahoma in this class, Gavin Sawchuk is the number 131 overall player. Nick Evers is at 136. Javante Barnes is at 188. That sounds like
0: really underrated it, right it,
1: there. It, uh, it seems low, and I think it is low. I'm not convinced that there are 15 running backs in that class and 187 players. And apparently he's tearing Barnes.
0: it up at workouts, too, yeah, from there what you go. we're hearing.
1: Jaden Rowe. Uh, cracks the top 250 for the first time he is number 202 you got kip lewis at 233 jaden gibson at 246 and kobe mckenzie actually dropped out of the top 250 surprisingly enough at one point in time he was a top 50 player in the 24 what rankings. happened there but, uh the the issue is the uh the national experts uh at 24 7 see him as more of an edge rusher or a defensive lineman they think his ceiling is only so high as an off-ball linebacker so that's the reason for the drop basically the way they phrased it is if we were projecting him as an edge or as a hand in the dirt defensive end then he'd probably still be higher but if he's going to continue to play off-ball linebacker as has been suggested then we can't keep him this high
0: so there you go. So the individual rankings are finalized. And yeah, it makes sense because you've got uh, the uh, spring signing period or the, uh, the later signing period coming up that you've got to wait in the team rankings. But, um, you know, and for Oklahoma, uh, the nice additions would be um, I'm drawing a blank on the kid who's considering OU Texas, the offensive lineman. Devin Campbell. Devin Campbell. Uh who else again?
1: Look, in an ideal world, you land either Devin Campbell or Josh Connerly because I don't think there is a circumstance in which you get both. As <laughs> sunshine and roses and rainbows as that would be, it's not happening. So you either get Devin Campbell or Josh Connerly in an ideal world. Uh you flip Grayson Halton from Oregon. You get Jamarian Burt, the former Florida commit here down the stretch. Not really sure at this point whether our Mason Thomas and Ahmad Moten will be Sooners, although I do get the sense just from talking to those two uh, that Thomas is a lot higher on Oklahoma than Moten. So maybe that is a case where they're not a package deal and they split up. Obviously, Oklahoma is in a good spot with Cavante Henry, who's been committed to Michigan for a long time, but the Wolverines have essentially parted ways with him. They're no longer pursuing him. So uh, that's another guy that Oklahoma could add down the stretch. And am I leaving anyone out here? I think that's it. So seven guys on the left on the board right now for Oklahoma that they have a realistic shot to land.
0: All right. Uh, do we know anything about what's going
1: on with Jackson Dart right now? No. I mean, no. it's. And anyone who says otherwise is lying to you at this point. It has been dead silent with regard to that situation for the last week.
0: Man, eventually, these kids are going to have to make a decision. I mean, it's like, uh, how long have classes been underway at OU now? About almost two weeks? Yeah, almost two weeks. So, man, it's crazy. Maybe Diesel Dart is holding it up. <laughs> diesel, <laughs> real, it, diesel wants an NIL to, deal. Exactly. Jackson's saying, lunch you got to take my brother in the <laughs> class of
1: 2028 or else no deal. Oh, man. So,
0: I don't know. It just It seems to me... The less buzz you hear, because he came on campus with Michael Trigg. Everybody saw the pictures and the videos. Uh, Brent and Jeff Lebby went out to Utah for a, a, another visit, and uh, you know, we, the less you hear, the less buzz. It
1: just—I I just think he's going to wind up at Old Miss. I agree that the longer this thing goes, the less likely it looks he's going to be a sooner. That's just the harsh reality. Well, and again, I. I Nothing tangibly suggests that. That's just kind of reading the tea leaves. Well, and the
0: other part of that, we've talked about uh, in this quarterback battle that he would be in if he ended up coming to Oklahoma with Dylan Gabriel, he would be behind because Gabriel knows Jeff Levy's system. Yeah. And it's not like Dylan Gabriel is going to be at Oklahoma for one year. Right? Well, maybe. I think he uh, that, that that very well could be the case. I mean, there's no guarantee like he's – No, I think he's not going to be here for a couple years. I think a
1: lot depends on what goes on around him because we're already looking at that 2023 crop of quarterbacks in terms of the NFL draft class. It's going to be pretty loaded. Mm -hmm. You're looking at guys like C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young at the top of the board. uh, Potentially, guys can play their way into that conversation like a Dorian Thompson-Robinson or a Sean Clifford, those guys that stayed behind for an extra year. The 2022 class at the quarterback position is really weak, and I remember talking that talking about that a while ago on this show. Is one of the reasons why Spencer Rattler's 2021 season hurt him as much as it did. Because you know, if hey, forget playing well, if he just starts all season for Oklahoma, I think he's your surefire top quarterback taken in this draft. But now that it, things got to get pushed back a year to 2023, he's looking up at Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud.
0: UCLA, by the way, has been mentioned uh, for Caleb, of course, and DTR, Dorian Thompson Robinson, is coming back, and he's got familiarity, obviously, with that system. I think he's a pretty good player. Uh, They dominated USC last year. How about if, uh, if Caleb went to UCLA and got beat out by DTR?
1: there's no absolutely no planet on which that would happen
0: i i wouldn't think so but it would be very interesting so i don't know this wisconsin deal still it's it's crazy to me and i understand uh uh you know allegedly what the thinking is on uh the possibility of him going to wisconsin but who would have thought man yeah, if, he if
1: he does go to wisconsin the it's all nil crowd is going to get real quiet Mm, mm, Maybe, yeah. All right,
0: uh, let's take a break right here. Big basketball game tonight in Morgantown. Uh, The Sooners need a victory against Bob Huggins and the Mountaineers. They've lost four in a row, but West Virginia's dropped three in a row. Who emerges with a big victory tonight? We'll talk about that coming up. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a car or a truck. Oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. Coming back talking hoops next here on The Ref. Ah, that song is so very good. You know, I was watching uh, CBS. This morning, or CBS Sunday morning, uh, the uh, magazine show they do on Sunday mornings, I was doing some radio prep. And whenever I do early Sunday radio prep, I will watch that because they always have musicians, actors, actresses on there. It's a really good show if you like art and music and everything. And they did a big uh, story on the popularity of that song. First of all, it wasn't written by somebody from West Virginia. I think they were from Vermont or Massachusetts. They've been like
1: never been to West Virginia, too, yeah. Right? And
0: and uh, but it became a gigantic hit, obviously for John Denver. And it has taken on a special meaning to people uh, during the pandemic. You know how much they are at home and how much they you appreciate home and. I mean, it's just, uh, it's a song that, you know, tugs it. You can replace West Virginia with whatever state or whatever country. And actually, that song is really popular in a lot of other countries again right now. And they are doing their own versions of it. Like, there's a French version and an Italian version. Well, and we
1: know from the office that there's a German
0: version. That's right.
1: That's that's absolutely right. But
0: that's a great song. But the Sooners will be in Morgantown tonight, 7 o'clock. ESPN 2 has the telecast, and uh, we're talking about a couple losers going at it tonight. I mean, Oklahoma's dropped four in a row, and West Virginia's dropped three in a row. And Oklahoma needs a win in the worst way, but so does Bob Huggins' ball club. Uh, So we'll see what happens tonight. But this is a a winnable game for Oklahoma. They've been so close in a lot of these games. And, again, you know that – Bob Huggins' teams, again, Oklahoma's the better three-point shooting team. Neither team is shooting the three greats, but Oklahoma's at a higher percentage than West Virginia, but they're going to hit the boards and guard you and be very physical, so we'll see how the Sooners handle that. Um, Tanner Groves, really need more from him.
1: Right, I mean, you need a lot more from him. You hey, do. You know what? He's he's kind of got that mountaineer vibe. Maybe going to West Virginia is what yeah. he needs to get back in the saddle. I mean, you
0: put the coonskin cap and the uh, and <laughs> the outfit on Tanner Groves; he's the mascot. Yeah, right? I got the whole Davy Crockett vibe right there. That's but. exactly right. But and look, he's missed a lot of shots that he would normally make. Uh, you know, uh, but. I don't know. Maybe he needs to take charge a little bit more. We'll see. The Sooners will have C.J. Nolan back in the lineup tonight, coming back from a concussion protocol. Ethan Shagwa will not be available. Still has a sore ankle. So, But this is, man, I'm telling you, uh, with Auburn looming on Saturday, the new number one team in the country, and Auburn got a scare playing in Columbia, Missouri last night and won – by one point, 55 to 54, even though Jabari Smith struggled, uh, the projected possible number one overall pick in the upcoming NBA draft only had five points on two of 15 shooting and one of seven from three. Yet Auburn still won the game. But they got a scare last night. So they'll be focused back home when they play the Sooner Saturday. So, what needs to happen? Give me a uh, Parker Thune checklist. Of what needs to happen for Oklahoma to put this one in the win column.
1: Well, if you recall last year, Mike, when the Sooners made this trip to West Virginia, you remember who took over that basketball game? Uh was it Austin Reeves? No, it was the Emoja Gibson. Was it Mo Gibson? Yeah, he dropped thirty one points in that really? game. I believe that's still his career high. Short term so, memory issues, old. <laughs> and so and that that came at a time likewise where If I recall correctly, the Sooners were coming off a couple losses. They were on some rocky territory when it came to their NCAA tournament hopes. And that helped kick off a run that saw Oklahoma beat Arkansas at home. Uh, They beat Kansas, I believe. They beat Texas Tech. They ripped off several wins in a row to the point where there was legitimate buzz come February that Lon Kruger's team could end up with a two or even a one seed. In the tournament. So, that game marked a real turning point for Oklahoma in Lon Kruger's final season at the helm, and I'm wondering if this game against West Virginia can do something similar for this OU team in Porter Moser's first season at the helm. Now, look, that road trip to Auburn over the weekend is daunting. Let's not act like it isn't. Again, you just kind of got to expect as a player you'd like to you'd like to believe you have a chance to win every single game you play right but as a fan as somebody on the outside looking in you have to treat that road trip to auburn on saturday as a loss if you come out with a win fine and dandy that's awesome that's a big resume booster come tournament time but realistically you're not going to hang with a team like auburn they're just too good so for me you got to get this win in West Virginia tonight to be able to say, even after the Sooners presumably take one on the chin over the weekend against Auburn, they're headed in the right direction in terms of getting back on track. And my thing is, with regard to this basketball game, I got to see somebody, I don't care who it is, it doesn't much matter who it is, somebody's got to go for 20-plus points for Oklahoma. Some individual performer has to stand out. Somebody has to take control and prove that, you know what, when everything hits the fan the way that it has for this OU program over the last couple of weeks, I can be the guy to take control and restore order.
0: Yeah, and uh, Tanner Groves uh, would probably be one on the list to, to do that, but he's been struggling with his shot a little bit, and... Uh... You know, but I'm looking at Oklahoma's last four games uh, during the midst of this four-game losing streak, and the high scores are Jalen Hill 13, Jalen Hill 12, uh, Jordan Goldwire 15, and Mo Gibson with 13. Exactly. And uh, they just they don't have a takeover guy. No, you know that they Mo d- Gibson may be the best at creating his own shots. I mean, you look at the step back he hit the other day. Uh, Harkless has been able to do that a couple times I don't know that Tanner Groves is that guy, but they they've got to be better on the offensive end and the main thing they've got they've given up so many possessions with all the turnovers. I mean, they are the one of the worst teams in the country at turning the ball over.
1: Yeah, it starts with mitigating turnovers and getting a strong individual scoring performance from somebody. Like I said, it really doesn't matter who it is. just somebody needs to step up for this basketball team because you love balance on the offensive end, but when you're leading scorer over the last four games, as you mentioned, the the largest individual scoring performance that you've gotten over those four games is 15. That's kind of alarming.
0: Yeah. Yeah, not a lot of offensive firepower from the Sooners of late. And again, I think they're going to defend and play hard, And uh, but you know what? I, they just... I'm surprised, and Porter Moser isn't out there playing, that a Porter Moser team would have this kind of a turnover issue. And you can tell sometimes when he gets very frustrated uh, with Jordan Goldwire, and I thought Goldwire, uh, particularly in the Kansas game, was really good. But, um, you know, we'll see what happens with the point guard position tonight with uh, maybe uh, Bijan Cortez can come back and have that amazing. The, the game he had against Iowa State down the stretch was unbelievable. That was the last scene.
1: game that Oklahoma won, wasn't it?
0: That was yeah, the last was. game, yeah. And they were remember they were down. What were they down? Almost uh, was it fifteen or more than that? In I think the they Iowa were down State fourteen game. at one 14, 14, point. Yeah, and they came back to win that game. That was, that, that place was rocking, man, uh, for that victory on a Saturday night. So again, it'll be on ESPN two tonight, seven o'clock. Sooners in West Virginia. The Cowboys are home to play uh, Iowa State tonight. That's an ESPN Plus game. Also tipping off at seven o'clock. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley, Exit 72, for a great deal on a car or truck and that great guarantee of oil changes and engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. All right, let's come back and jump back into Sooner Football again when we return. I want to play this for you every week <laughs> until you get past the first stage of grief, Mike. Oh man, I know I'm. I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer to being out of that stage. All right, welcome back, everybody. And uh, Riverwind Casino, ladies and gentlemen, they have a big promotion happening right now. Two big ones, actually, Super Points and Super Plays. I told you about uh, during our first hour where the top wildcard members who earn the most points on uh, specific gaming machines out at Riverwind right now, the Gaming Capital Group machines, are going to have a chance to win a trip to the Super Bowl. And I'm talking about multiple trips, not just one Winner, but a couple, uh, and there are going to be multiple winners. Go out there and try and get the most points in a wild card on the Gaming Capital Group machines until Saturday night at midnight, and uh, you could win a trip to the Super Bowl, including uh, you know tickets to the game, airfare, hotel stay, ground transportation. Two tickets to the game at SoFi Stadium and $1,000 cash. There will be multiple winners in this promotion. So get out there and play on the Gaming Capital Group machines and win that trip to the Super Bowl courtesy of our friends at Riverwind. They also have their final drawing for the $80,000 uh, Rocket and Reelin' promotion. Uh, get out there on Friday night. Hear your name called and win your share of that $80,000 in cash and bonus play. And you can always dine well at Riverwind at Chips and Ales Pub Restaurant or at the River Buffet, steak night on Friday night, seafood night on Saturday night, and a great brunch on Sunday. Plus, they've got a great uh, food court, the Seasons Food Court, with many options there. You cannot go wrong at Riverwind Casino. That's why they are simply the best. Okay, so Diawasooner asks uh, Steely, The offensive systems for the previous three championship coaches were what? And what do you expect this Oklahoma offense to look like? Well, the three previous – talking about Bud, uh, Barry, and Bob, obviously. Bud was the split team, running the football a lot. Obviously, Barry Switzer – Uh, was the Wishbone and uh, Barry Switzer. And uh, they suggested Barry Switzer leading the way to Chuck Fairbanks because that staff was about to get fired. That's right. And they suggested uh, going to the Wishbone with the uh, roster they had. And the rest is history. The next year, the Sooners were playing in the game of the century against Nebraska, and uh, that became – uh, such a fun offense to watch. I love watching the wishbone. All right, so they bring the him back
1: the split T or they bring him back the
0: wishbone? I don't know. And then you uh you go to Bob Stoop spreading it out, of course. Uh, interesting, the first year with Mike Leach, they weren't as run heavy as they were the next year when Mark Mangino took over. Well, <laughs> and I think <laughs> shocking, isn't it? You know, here's the deal though. I think that Jeff Levy would uh would his system would look more like uh, you know, Mangino and what Oklahoma did the second year, you know, they were spreading everybody out with the ninja formation. Not that they weren't running the football at all, but it wasn't a high priority. Jeff Levy's offense, they're going to run the football and still be physical and spread you out. They were ninth in the country in rushing uh, this past season.
1: Well, in Oklahoma, despite the evolution of their offensive system, one, one thing that's always been constant is the presence of a running game. And you've seen it over the years. There's never really been a time – there's never been an extended period of time where Oklahoma hasn't had a standout running back. Has there, Mike? Uh, it's
0: Usually there's somebody, yeah. Even the ones who weren't highest from winners, whether it was uh, Mike uh, – Quentin Griffin always gets o- underlooked, overlooked. Overlooked. Uh, by the way, in my opinion.
1: I guess maybe the Brennan Clay days, that 2010 to 2012 mm. window when you had Landry Jones at quarterback, those were at the, that was maybe the low point in terms of running back production at Oklahoma over the past several decades. And that's saying a lot because Brennan Clay still rushed for – I don't know if he cracked 1,000 yards, but he was still rushing for – 700, 800 yards. I mean,
0: good player, but I,
1: you know, but again. Uh, and that was the most pass heavy yeah, that Oklahoma's ever been.
0: No doubt. And you look at the. Uh, how would you describe the Jeff Levy offense? He's trying to get a comparison of how, you know, obviously it's not the split tea the wishbone. By the way, I love. If you give me any. If we could go back to the 70s somehow in that era, I love watching the wishbone. And nothing like a good Jack Mildren pitch to Greg Pruitt or a JC Watch to Billy Sims or Thomas Lott. Uh, you know, Steve Davis and Joe Washington, those were the
1: days. I love those. I think the difference between Jeff Lebby's system and I just completely blanked on his name. Maybe that's for the best that I couldn't remember Shoe's actual name there for Dang, a second. Dang, I, yes. I've clearly made a the whole lot more progress than you the, have. The Mike.
0: brainwashing is happening. We're sending radio waves into your brain where you don't remember his name, and that way you always say Muleshoe. So, good.
1: I think the key difference is that we got the sense, particularly with the way that Spencer Rattler's career at Oklahoma unfolded, that Muleshoe's offense needed a dual-threat quarterback to thrive. They needed a quarterback who was a legitimate threat to run the football. That's not the case in Jeff Levy's offense, and you see that in the quarterbacks that he's recruited – In his brief tenure thus far as Oklahoma's offensive coordinator, Nick Evers and Jackson Arnold, you really wouldn't categorize either of those guys as dual threats, at least not in the sense that Kyler Murray was, or Jalen Hurts was, or Caleb Williams was, and I don't want to be unfair to a guy like Jackson Arnold, who has a ton of athleticism, and that someone to whom the dual threat label could be applied, but... He's not the type of player that's going to be rushing for a 1,000 yards in a given season, like Murray and Hurts, for instance. And Evers is very much so cut from that same cloth in that he's got functional mobility in the pocket. He by no means has cinder block feet, and he's going to be able to escape and make plays on the run and pick up chunk gains with his legs if need be. But that is not going to be a critical tenet and a cornerstone of the Jeff Levy offensive system. The read option and quarterback keepers, QB power, that kind of stuff, you're going to see a lot less reliance on that under Jeff Levy uh, than you did under Lincoln Riley. Muleshoe, I'm sorry, I'll neck myself.
0: Man, I, just when I thought we were out, you pulled me back in. No, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I just get the feeling, uh, you know, this past season that Muleshoe was abandoning the run way too early, too much, right? Yes, I mean, and, and yes. some of that. Look, the first, the ugliest possession of the year was that first series against Baylor. Probably, oh my right? I Good. mean, you talk about a I, mauling,
1: and I said it in the moment. I was, uh, <laughs> I was sitting alongside a whole bunch of other photographers and videographers in the end zone there, and I turned to several of them and I and I said. That actually was the worst opening possession I've ever seen, and you were all in agreement. I'm sure. Yes, everyone's like, "What just happened?" That was a horror show. Is what because they was. went backwards on all three plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it and was, it was just all of them were terrible play calls too. Like it's like it's like they weren't even trying to gain yardage.
0: Well, yeah, that was that I was mean, the moment
1: I was like, okay, well. <laughs> Today might not go great for the Sooners.
0: Remember, that was after a week off when they had a bye week the previous week. An old mule shoe was out there float, flirting with the California people, doing something he shouldn't have been doing instead of prepping for a game. Remember that? And then they came out and looked, I mean, just horrible. It's, it's amazing they had a shot to win that game.
1: Isn't it? I I still I still believe they probably would have won that game if Riley had left Caleb Williams in, because I there theoretically is a time and a place to pull a guy like Spencer Rattler out of the hat and let him cook. That was not the time or the place. They were down ten to seven. That Baylor defense was going to have a much easier time defending a pure pocket passer like Rattler than they were. Defending a dual threat like Williams. And I know he hadn't been playing great up to that point, but facing a one score deficit, he came and back in, they scored. A, just a single drive in order to swing the momentum of that football game. And I don't believe it was even the fourth quarter yet at that point. I, th- I think it was still the third. That was not the time to bail on your guy. And that was the first decision that Muleshoe made over the course of that 2021 season. That caused me to cock my head sideways and ask, "Okay, what is up here?"
0: Yeah, and uh, remember, uh, Mule Shoe also accused uh, Dave Aranda of not having any class.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, there's so there's so many things he said over the course of 2021 that you look back on now and you're just like, "Wow, isn't that ironic?" Well, the one that will live in infamy is the is transfer the, comment.
0: I'm not going to take a guy if he quits on his team midseason. What's he going to do with? When he gets here? I mean, I'm going to quit on my team this year about eight games into the season, guys. You don't know it yet, but I would never take a guy that would quit on his team midseason. Yeah, see, now it's coming back. PTSD, post Trojan stress disorder.
1: Is that what you're suffering from? Yes. Man. Is that the official diagnosis? Uh, maybe,
0: uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. So, uh, anyway. No, hey, there's nothing on Jackson Dart today either, by the way. Nothing. Nothing. Uh, shocking development there. I mean, the portal is. Have they shut the portal off? Uh, nobody can go through it right now. Is there? Are they cleaning the portal? What's going on? Because I, yeah.
1: <laughs> they must be sanitizing the portal. Uh, by, by the way, several listeners were asking last hour about Kamar Wheaton because apparently he portaled, uh, The news broke last night that well, he's not in the portal, but he's also not with the Alabama football program right now.
0: Oh, Kamar Wheaton. Well, good luck getting a hold of Kamar
1: Wheaton. Right. And it and it, the the sad thing about it too is that when he committed to Alabama over Oklahoma, everybody had the exact same thought. Well, he's just another body for them. Like he could be a day one player at Oklahoma. He could be a day one contributor. But at Alabama, he's he's a jag. So, uh
0: are we thinking that Kamar Wheaton could end up at Oklahoma?
1: Is that <laughs> Is that something Oklahoma wants to explore is the better question. And I would say no, at least from where I sit. Why is that? Well, just because that... Too flaky? I, I feel like I use the word circus on an almost mm-hmm. daily basis here on this show because there are so many different situations pertaining to Oklahoma football to which that term can be applied. But that recruitment was a bona fide circus. And all I apparently remember, like the, the word on the street was... I, and I, this is going back before I worked for 24-7, so my intel on this is not as good as other people that were covering the recruitment at the time. But the world of the street was he had a dream in which he was wearing the Alabama uniform, and that's what convinced him to renege on his silent commitment to OU and go to Bama instead. So, hmm. again, the way that that all played out, I'm just not sure that's a situation you want to touch right now just because, and I say this a lot, there comes a point in time at which a player – is more trouble than he's worth.
0: Yeah. Well, and I can remember talking to the recruiting experts at the time, and they were saying, man, this kid is one of the most unusual kids, and trying to figure out what he's doing is nearly impossible. Kamar Wheaton. And uh, Brandon was one of those guys, and they were just they were playing the guessing game, and it looked like Oklahoma may have been leading, but he may have been telling the folks who covered Alabama, you know, and they just lost Jace McClellan the year before, who'd been committed to Oklahoma for a long time, yep. and then the Kamar Wheaton it came down again to uh, signing day, and he ends up at Alabama. Did he sign a couple days late? Actually, Kamar Wheaton it was, was yeah, it he on?
1: didn't sign in the early signing period. Yeah. I remember. I think it was December 23rd he announced, if I remember correctly.
0: All right, we'll take your pick next year, next fall. What we know: Eric Gray, Marcus Major, Javante Barnes, Gavin Sawchuk, or maybe you just played Jaron Kanak at running back too,
1: a two platoon guy. Would I hate that? Not at all. <laughs> Bring back the fullback. There you go. Jaron Kanak, the next Aaron Ripkowski. <laughs> hey,
0: Rip could clear a path, man. You can follow him on Twitch, by the way, Klapkowski. He's playing Call of Duty all the time. He's really good. All right, got to take a break right here. Come back one more segment here on this Wednesday. Keep it here. Okay, final segment before we get locked in uh, with Parker and Tyler McComas. That's really good, by the way. Yeah, I mean, you guys are both really good, so I shouldn't be surprised that it's really good, but I am listening all the way home. As much as I can before I have to fire up the stream. And if you're a a stream viewer today, I got some business stuff I have to take care of today. So I will not be streaming today from 3 to 5, but I will be back at uh, Riverwind Casino tomorrow. Which means uh, you'll be listening
1: to the entirety of Locked In.
0: Yes. Yes, I will. Uh, As much as I can. Yeah, absolutely.
1: All right. Uh, We have
0: uh, Bedlam Women's Basketball tonight, by the way. Jenny Baranchek and company uh, at home at the LNC against Oklahoma State and... uh, Made their last game out. Ioka Lee had 61, a new Division One scoring record against Oklahoma. Yet, it's been a great year. A tremendous first season for uh, Ginny Baranchek and the OU women. They've, uh, they've been really, really good and really exciting to watch. But got a lot of hoops tonight. Uh, Oklahoma-West Virginia, 7 o'clock on ESPN2. Uh, Oklahoma State-Iowa State on ESPN+. Plus. Also playing at 7 o'clock. A little Bedlam women's basketball tonight at the LNC. Uh, the Cowboys... Uh, we've been hearing about this. Going to be hiring uh, Derek Mason as their new defensive coordinator. That's a good get. Jim Knowles going to That's Ohio State. That's a crazy State. good get It is. what that is. And, uh, you know, people are saying, well, you know, Brian Harson's going to be out at Auburn, so, you know, uh,
1: he's jumping ship. Yeah,
0: okay, but he was, he was at Vandy for what, six, seven years as a uh, – as a head coach that's there that's right he
1: was now he didn't win at vandy yeah. but nobody wins at vandy yeah, so. i mean
0: you could bring back newt rockney bud wilkinson uh, bill belichick and whoever and it's gonna be difficult james franklin won some there right he
1: did i don't think he ever won more than like seven or eight but games, you can't but he won more than basically you, everyone else has
0: you can't win big at vanderbilt because of the skip bayless curse
1: the skip bayless curse yeah fill, a, fill, fill me in
0: he's a vandy guy got a scholarship to vandy yeah so, and I mean, so, he's, he's so a, that's
1: why they're not good at football? That's
0: right. Yes, yeah, it's just
1: the Skip Bayless curse. Okay, well, I mean, hey, I, I'm down to blame stuff on Skip Bayless. I got no problem with that. So yeah. if that's the yeah. route we want to take. All right, Uh, you want to get to the
0: text line real quick before we get out of here? Let's, let's, see Solutions what, text uh, line.
1: let's see what folks are saying. Uh, Muleshoe was texting his agent during that first series of the Baylor game. Yeah, we never figured out what the uh, the personal day
0: was, did we? No, we never. We never, that, we, never was, we never will. Was that ever explained we away? We never
1: will. That's one of those things that will be the, the great mystery. Uh, one of the great mysteries of Oklahoma football for years to come is what was Mule Shoe doing on Tuesday, November tenth?
0: Hmm.
1: Or November. Ninth, ninth or tenth. I don't. Can we remember.
0: get uh, Keith Morrison and Dateline on that? Keith Morrison can figure it out.
1: There's going to need to be a documentary made about that 2021 Oklahoma football season at some point. If nobody else does it, I will. I I volunteer as tribute. So.
0: Yeah. Well, I saw your documentary. It's pretty good. Pretty pretty good. You've
1: got one out there already. This is true. This is true. So I have I have some skin in the game, at least a little bit. Um, one of our listeners says Wisconsin is close to Canada. And nobody drinks in parties like Canadians.
0: Well, I mean, you have to, uh, this is a joke, kids, by the way, you have to stay inebriated during the winter in Wisconsin because so you, you're just numb, you can't feel the cold. On right? that
1: note, another listener says, Madison is a very liberal community. A bunch of liberals, really? They like
0: their weed, also lots of breweries. Now, again, I had always heard that Wisconsin was one of the biggest party schools in the country. I think they have like 40,000 students there or something, don't they? Yeah, Uh, that makes sense. Big
1: public university, flagship for a particular state. That wouldn't surprise me if they had 40,000 kids there. I mean, if you grow up in Wisconsin, where are you going to go to school? True. (laughs) University of Wisconsin.
0: Where's Wisconsin State's nowhere to be found, right? It's a little bit like there's no Nebraska State, right? No, there is not. I mean, there is
1: definitely no Nebraska State. One of the few, uh, I mean, there is... Uh, think about it, Wyoming only has one four-year university, and it is the University of Wyoming. That's true.
0: That is true. All right, we're running out of time. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we do have... I, I need to Google up and see how many students are there. I'm betting it's about 35 40,000 or so at uh, the University of Wisconsin. But it's rare, again, that Nebraska is one of those states. I mean, you could say... What what do they have uh basketball, you know, marquettes there? Um In
1: Wisconsin,
0: but f- that's right. Football yeah. wise, nothing really to compete with at all. So I
1: don't know. It's, Wisconsin Whitewater is like a D three powerhouse. That's right. Isn't so. that
0: where what's his name came from? No, he uh the Kansas coach.
1: Lance Lapel, La- yes, it is. yeah,
0: that's right. All right, we got to get out of here, folks. We've got uh Parker and Tyler coming up with locked in. And uh, keep the text rolling in on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Pauls Valley for sponsoring our second hour here on The Ref. Everybody, have a great Wednesday. We'll see you.